You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What is up, you guys? Hope that you are doing so well this week. We are in part three of our series, Life in Exile. What we've been doing is we've been looking at the book of Daniel and these incredible things that happen. Uh, The first two weeks, we looked at chapter one and chapter two. Not surprisingly, we are going to be in primarily chapter three this week. So last week, we talked about Daniel interpreting King Nebuchadnezzar's dream and him making a declaration about Daniel's God. That's in Daniel chapter 2, verses 46 through 47. That's the last thing that we looked at last week. I want it to be the first thing that we look at this week because it's going to lead to some conversation. It says this. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell face down, worshipped Daniel, and gave orders to present an offering and incense to him. The king said to Daniel, Your God is indeed the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, since you were able to reveal this mystery. He then puts Daniel in charge of things, and in turn, that leads to leadership positions for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as well. So Daniel gets a position of influence as an exile in Babylon, and because of the relationships that he holds, and because of their character, and because of the the way that they've proved themselves, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego also get positions of influence that are highlighted in in the next chapter. So we leave chapter two like hyped up for Daniel and his friends and for the fact that King Nebuchadnezzar has this revelation. He says, your God's indeed the God of God's Lord of Kings and a revealer of mysteries. He's like, man, this is it. But then what happens is that there are 15 years that likely take place between Daniel chapter two and Daniel chapter three. And what happens in those 15 years apparently affects Nebuchadnezzar's perspective and understanding pretty significantly because the next passage, Daniel chapter 3, verse 1, says this. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And then it goes on to say in verses 4 and 6, A herald loudly proclaimed, People of every nation and language, you are commanded. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, you are to fall face down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. So we go from incredible revelation, your God is indeed the God of gods, to I'm going to create a statue that you must worship, that that worships me and worships my gods, and having a herald loudly proclaim this, and if you don't do it, you're going to get thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. Quite the shift. The first point this week is forgetfulness. Forgetfulness. King Nebuchadnezzar makes a huge statement about the God of Daniel, but not even two decades later is actively doing things that would garner himself praise. And I think it can be really easy for us to shake our heads at his posture and his forgetfulness, but I think that we have to ask ourselves the question, how often do we make declarations that are easily forgotten? How often do we make declarations that are easily forgotten? This can show up in lots of different ways. Personally, we say things like, I'm never going to make that mistake again. Right, like how many of us have made that statement, that declaration? I am never going to make that mistake again. And I pray that that is true in your life. That when you said, I am never going to make that mistake again, you didn't. But I know for me personally, and for many of us, we have said, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to make that mistake. And then we end up making that mistake again. We make a declaration. We we feel really strong that we're not going to make that mistake again. 
and then we have forgetfulness in our own life and we make that mistake again. Relationally, we say things like, I will never go back to that. I will never go back to that. Or we say, I will never give up on this. I will never give up on this. Or we say, I will never be friends with that person. I will never step into a relationship with that person. And what we find is those declarations seem really strong, but oftentimes we do make a mistake and go back to an unhealthy relationship. Or we do give up on a relationship that we said we would never would. Or we end up being incredibly close to somebody that we said that we never would be. Like That's just the nature of our humanity is that we make declarations that are easily forgotten. It happens physically. Like, this is the year. This is the year I'm going to get in peak physical shape. And then January 1 rolls around and we make all these resolutions. And then by January 14th, we're like, you know what? 2024, 2024, it's going to be my year. It's going to be great. Or spiritually, we say things like, this is the year. This is the year I commit to church. This is the year that I'm going to I'm going to be in community every single week because I know it's important. Or we say, I'm going to read my Bible every single day. We we make these these things. I'm going to pray like I've never prayed before. And then something happens, life happens, things get prioritized that that aren't those things and and all of a sudden we're making those declarations at another year. But how quickly do we forget declarations that we make? And this isn't to make us feel guilty. This is just to, to give us a, maybe a little bit of conviction as we look and posture ourselves towards the story is that, yeah, like we aren't rulers of the known world like King Nebuchadnezzar was. But I think that as we we hope that we read biblical stories and we look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego like we do this week, and we're like, man, I want, I want me to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want their character and their posture to be a part of me. We also have to simultaneously understand that we all have a little bit of King Nebuchadnezzar in us too. And it will help us understand that we are fickle human beings who make declarations that we easily forget. But here is the thing. We are so lucky because like we will see for the rest of the story, God doesn't abandon the fickle. Yes, we are fickle human beings, but he doesn't abandon the fickle. In in fact, he re-engages us in ways that are going to re-reveal his mystery, and his grandness, and his glory. So Daniel chapter 3, verse 8 through 12, goes on to say this. It says, Some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. They said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, because they're suck-ups, May the king live forever. That's how they start. May the king live forever. Yeah, we get it. Okay. You, as king, have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music must fall down and worship the gold statue. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are some Jews that you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. So the next point is this. Look at them. Look at them. We are fickle, and it is also in our human nature to point out what other people are doing instead of focusing on what we are. It can be really challenging when we look at ourselves and think about how much time and effort we put into the assessment of other people's lives and how little effort we put into assessing our own. And I'm not coming from like a simple like worry about yourself standpoint. We should take a loving interest in the lives of other people. But the the Chaldeans were spiteful and they were angry and they couldn't care less about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But for us, we have to make sure that we are doing what is healthy and God-honoring in our own lives before we ever try to challenge others to do the same. 
that we shouldn't have a posture of look at them. We should have a posture of I'm going to look internally and what's convicting me and what's challenging me and what's forcing me to grow is going to be something that I can use to step into the lives of other people and challenge them as well. But that should always be built in healthy relationships. So our opinion is invited. Right, we, we all have experienced uninvited opinions, right? People that we don't have relationships with and they go, hey, I think that you should with your life. And you're like, great, thumbs up to you. Um, not gonna listen to that because I don't know who you are and I don't know that you care about me. But when somebody who has proven that they love us and that they care about us and they want the best for us steps in and goes, hey, I've just observed this. Can I give you some opinions about, about what I think that you could step into? We're a lot more likely to listen. And for those of us who want to offer our opinions, if you're like me and you have lots of opinions, man, would we make sure that we never offer opinions into things that we haven't started by opinions towards relationships that we haven't started by investing and 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 caring and and rooting it in love and building relationships and making sure said people know that we love them that we would never have an ulterior motive about that but we would just say hey i love you and that is first and foremost i love you i care about you i want the best for you god loves you he cares about you he wants the best for you and once we prove that that might that might not take that much time or it might take a significant period of time depending on the person would we then decide to give our opinions And then would we come back to this? We've talked about it almost every week. Would we always make sure that if we are calling people to Christian standards, they're people who have actually surrendered their life to Jesus? We can't go to people who don't have a relationship with Jesus and say, hey, Jesus says, they're going to say, that's really great. That sounds really nice. But I don't follow Jesus. Or we we start to throw Bible at at people and we say, hey, the Bible says, and they're like, great. I think that that is a book. That That is really just the same thing as Harry Potter to me. So if we just start to, the Bible says, Instead, we step in in relationship and we say, hey, I don't think that that's the best thing for you. And they go, why? And we can say, oh, from personal experience. And also, I've been super convicted in my own life because I follow Jesus and I read scripture and it says this about my life. And I really, truly believe that that can be something that you could take with you. And then as people start to grow and people start to to maybe come to faith and surrender their lives to Jesus, then we can have more uh, abrupt conversations and say, hey, brother in Christ, sister in Christ, you know, you know the scripture says this, and you are held to this, and so am I. That we would always say the expectation is not on your life, the expectation is on our lives, and it will change everything. So we actually talked about this story in our year-long series last year, and there's one point that I, that I wanted to come back to because I think it's important. The Chaldeans were pointing out that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not doing what everybody else was doing, that they were doing something different than the rest of of culture. And the point is this is standing up will make you stand out. Standing up will make you stand out. For those of us who follow Jesus, we have to understand that that what we are called to is outside of the cultural norm, right? Like we've talked about this. The reason that we're doing a series called Life in Exile is because like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, we are also exiles in Babylon, that we were born into Babylon. We were born into a world that we are not citizens of. We are citizens of heaven. So we have to live in this world where we are we are not subject to, to the rules and the rulers and the principalities of this world, but we, we report to Jesus. We report to God. That doesn't mean that we become citizens that are like rebellious and we don't listen to the government and all that kind of stuff, but that our primary focus is to be God-honoring, not government-honoring, right? That we are exiles in Babylon. And when we make decisions— that go against the cultural norm or go against the grain 
or, or we love in ways that are out of the ordinary, we become visible. That when we love extraordinarily, people are going to be like, there's something different there. We become visible because of our love. Simultaneously, if we are holier than thou Christians who are jerks and who are judgmental and are just full of spite and hatred towards people who don't believe what we believe, we will also become visible. So we have to ask ourselves a question. It's, is what I'm standing out for worth the visibility that it's causing? That if I am standing up or standing out and I'm garnering visibility, is it because of my love? Is it because of my grace? Is it because of my mercy? Is it because of my care for others? Because of the way that I serve people? Or am I standing out because I'm spiteful or hate-filled or judgmental? We have to ask ourselves that question. We aren't called to be recognized because of who we are. We're, we're called to be recognized because of who Jesus is. We are going to get so many opportunities to do things that cause people to say, why are they doing that when everybody else is doing this? And if we can't answer that question, that's so sad. We should always have a reason for saying this is why we do what we do. And it, 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 it can't just be like, okay, Jesus. Like, yes, that, that's the foundation. But would we have enough wisdom and knowledge and discernment to say, yeah, Jesus calls me to this, and this is how it's impacted my life. When people hear how God has changed your life, they want to know how God can change theirs too. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So a follow-up question is, is our light highlighting us or is it giving glory to God? Are we looking for recognition or are we looking to push all recognition towards God? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't go against the grain to bring glory to themselves, but it was an act of worship to God. And they wanted everyone to know him. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get brought before King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 3, verses 15 through 18 go on to say this. Now, if you're ready... This is Nebuchadnezzar talking to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When you hear the sound of the, you have to list it out every single time. Like, this is necessary Old Testament scripture. (laughs) The horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the drum, and every kind of music fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Hold up. This is the same guy 15 years later, not even two decades later. And he says this, your God is the God of God gods he he's the lord of kings he's the great revealer of mysteries and 15 years later he's saying and who's a god who can rescue you from my power (laughs) shadrach meshach and abednego replied to the king nebuchadnezzar we don't need to give you an answer to this question if the god we serve exists then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire and he can rescue us from the power of you the king but even if he does not rescue us we want you as a king to know we want you to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you set up. This is a mic drop moment for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is a a phrase that I think is absolutely earth-shattering. Even if he does not. Even if he does not. A statement that is only made, only made with the faith that is based in who God is, not what he does. It is based in who God is, not what he does. Too often we attach our faith to whether or not God shows up how we want him to. But that isn't faith. That is a human expectation that the creator of the universe would bend to my will, not me being surrendered to his. We make God really, really small when we expect him to do what we want. 
And we make him really, really big and we glorify him when we understand that our job and our posture is to do everything that he wants. These men could have challenged God to show up before they were walked to the furnace. But they made the determination that even if they got thrown in, God was God and they were not. We need to make the same determination. You are God and I am not. And because of that, I'm going to be surrendered and submissive to your will, not expect you, creator of the universe, God who hung the stars in the sky, to bend to mine. I think we have to ask ourselves the question, what situations in my life are we saying, God, if you do this, then I will, right? If you show up, then I'll have faith. If you heal, then I'll believe that you exist. If you provide that job, if you provide that spouse, if you provide whatever, then I will follow you. How many of us have done that? So many of us have done that. God, if you, then I will. Can we shift? Can we shift that posture to God, because I know that you are, I will. Because I know of what you've already done, I will. We have to avoid becoming people who attach our faithfulness and our obedience to what he could possibly do and instead focus on the truth of what he has already done. That what he has already done deserves our obedience. What he has already done deserves our fealty. What, what he has already done deserves our submissiveness. That he died on a cross and raised from the dead so that we could have an active, alive, still living, breathing God who is interacting with us on a daily basis and who has sealed our eternity in heaven. I don't need God to show up and fix my life because he's already given me eternal life. We need to have the posture of because I know who you are and because I know who you are, what you've already done, I will be obedient. And that is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do in this moment. Then they say this, we want you to know. We want you to know. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were solidified and rooted in their belief. They wouldn't have to say a word, but they looked at the ruler of the known world and said, we want you to know. They wanted King Nebuchadnezzar to know that they would never bow, that they would never worship, that they would never submit to him. And they wanted him to know that their God was the God who was really in charge. If we consider ourselves followers of Jesus, we have to understand that our faith-led actions aren't just to prove ourselves to God, but our faith-led actions might just lead to others having a faith in Christ themselves. That This is a moment where they look King Nebuchadnezzar in the eye, and the seeds that Daniel have already planted are starting to stir and maybe starting to sprout, and they're saying, hey, you used to know this, and we want you to know again. We want you to know again that our God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, the great revealer of mysteries. You forgot, but we didn't. And for us in our own lives, as this, as this plays out, we want we want this to be in our own lives. We want to say, man, I used to know. I used to have great faith that God was who he said he was. I want to know. I want to know again that he is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the great revealer of mysteries. And then if we have a faith in God, we look at the world around us, we look at our friends, we look at our families, our coworkers, all these different people, and would we be people who say, everything that I am, everything that, that I do is because of God. And I want you to know. And as a community of young adults, we would say, we want you to know. We want you to know Jesus. We want you to know grace. We want you to know forgiveness. We want you to know love. We want you to know that there's a God who loves you so much. We want you to know. Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 through 23 says, Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage. 
and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary, and he commanded some of the best soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men, in their trousers, robes, head coverings, and other clothes, were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell, bound into the furnace of blazing fire. This isn't going to be a point that we dig into, but it's important that we look at the rushed decision of King Nebuchadnezzar because rushed decisions will lead to unintended consequences. King Nebuchadnezzar had some of his best soldiers killed because in his anger and in his emotion, he made an urgent decision that, that resulted in an unintended consequence. For us, we should make it a habit to pause and pray before we rush into anything. That if we want the consequences to be intended and if they want the consequences to be good, we must pursue that in patience and prayer. The story goes on to say in verses 24 through 25, Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisors, Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, Look, I see four men, not tied, but walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. The next point is this, ever-present. See, God was present with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before they were exiled out of Judah. God was present with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they got brought to Babylon. He was present with them when they gained uh, position and notoriety. He was with them when they got brought before King Nebuchadnezzar. He was with them in the furnace, and he would have w- was with them after. And if if he wouldn't have saved them, he would have been with them in eternity. Like no matter what, God was present. He is ever present. Psalms forty six one says, "God is our refuge and strength, the helper who is always found in times of trouble." He's right there listening every step of the way. The question is, are we? Are we truly engaging with God in all things or just when we feel like it? Would we be people who prayerfully prepare for the trials that will inevitably come? Life is not easy. It might be right now, but there will be trial. There will be tribulation. Are we people who are willing to prayerfully prepare for the trials that will come? Would we also be people who don't forget to pray when we're right in the middle of the trial? When we're right in the middle of the fire, would we say, I know you're still here. You're right in the middle of my trial, my tribulation. I know that you are a God who is ever present. And would we also be people who don't forget to praise God for what he did or pray for understanding when things don't turn out the way that we thought they would, that he is still there, he is still listening, he is still engaging with us. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew that they were not alone because they had spent their entire life engaging with the presence of God. Would we be people who spend our entire lives engaging with the presence of God, not just when we feel like it, but every single day would we step into relationship with Jesus and engage the presence of God and say, I know that you're in the good because I know that you're present when things aren't going good. And I know that you are present on the mountaintop and I know that you are present in the valley because you are a God who is ever present. What are we willing to do to have that same kind of faith? They were faith filled and they were faith filled because they knew that God was faithful, that God had proven himself over and over and over again. So they were faith filled. Verses 26 through 28 says, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the most high God. (laughs) 
he's back, right? He's like, oh yeah, this is the God. This is the God who revealed the mystery of my dream to me 15 years ago. This is the God who works through Daniel. This is Daniel's friends. Okay, this is all adding up. Most high God, servants of the most high God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the fire. And when the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's advisors gathered around them, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair of their head was singed. Their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. The last point is this. Our faith will spur the faith of others. Our faith will spur the faith of others. I firmly believe this, that God would have shown up in the exact same way had there not been a crowd watching But I also firmly believe that God will use acts of faith, big or small, to impact the watching world. That God looked at King Nebuchadnezzar and goes, this knucklehead, man, I I proved myself to him 15 years ago. I've been doing that time and time again by using these exiles in his country to do incredible things. Watch this. I, I want God to look at my life. I want God to look at your life. And as the watching world is, is, is observing us, that he would be like, oh, I'm about to do something in these people's lives. Watch this. God wants to move. He wants to move in us and he wants to move through us. Faithful moments will lead to a strengthening of faith in our own lives. No doubt. As we have faith and walk that out in our own lives, it will, it will just continue to embolden us and to garner more and more faith in our own lives. But it will also inevitably lead to others having faith of their own, that they will see us having a belief and a faith and a resilience in our own life and go, I want that. The world is watching. What are we going to do while they're watching? So at the end of chapter two, King Nebuchadnezzar makes this declaration, right? And at the end of chapter three, King Nebuchadnezzar makes this declaration again. So it's easy for us to assume like, man, but what's next? Well, like, what's the next story where, where King Nebuchadnezzar is going to just jack everything up and forget that God is God? What I love about the difference between the tone between chapter two and chapter three and chapter three and chapter four is that chapter four, the entire chapter is called this, a proclamation from King Nebuchadnezzar, the entire chapter dedicated to the words of Nebuchadnezzar. And this is what the first three verses say, and this is how we're going to end. King Nebuchadnezzar, to those of every people, nation, and language, who live on the whole earth, may your prosperity increase. I am pleased to tell you about the miracles and wonders the Most High God has done for me. How great are his miracles, and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation would we be people who make that same proclamation that i evan am pleased to tell you about the miracles and wonders of the most high god and what he has done for me how great are his miracles and how mighty his wonders his kingdom is an eternal kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.